Everyone has questions. Why am I here? Where will I go when I die? Is there really truth? But not everyone has biblical answers. Welcome to the Pastor Study, a ministry of pastorstudy.org. Join us now as we study the Bible to draw closer to our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Here is Pastor Tom Brock. Welcome to the Pastor's Study. About the year 30 AD, Jesus knew he was going to die, so he takes his disciples up on the Mount of Olives, which overlooks Jerusalem. They look across the valley. There's the beautiful Temple of Jerusalem that would be destroyed 40 years later by the Romans. And Jesus says to the disciples, that temple will one day be destroyed and not one stone will be standing on top of another. The disciples say, when will this be? When will the world end? And they assume that the destruction of the temple means the end of time. And Jesus then launches into what's called the Olivet Discourse, his second longest sermon in the New Testament, to explain the end of time. We're going to talk about the end of time on this program. Would you take out your Bible? Let's turn to what's called the Olivet Discord, spoken from the Mount of Olives before Jesus died. Mark chapter 13, and it's a long sermon, so we're just going to take part of it. Mark chapter 13, and let's pray before we begin. Father, there's all kinds of rumors and gossip and his and unhistorical things floating around about the second coming of Christ and how and when that's going to happen. Lord Jesus, as we look at your word, may each of us get ready for that great last day. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Mark chapter 13, verse 28, starting at verse 28. Jesus said to the disciples, From the fig tree learn its lesson. As soon as its branch becomes tender and puts out its leaves, you know that summer is near. So also, when you see these things taking place, you know that He is near at the very gates. Here's the first lesson for today. These things will indicate Christ's coming. Now, what are these things? Well, that's prior. Uh, we, we didn't cover that. Let me just list from Mark 13 the things that have to happen before Christ returns. Number one, the destruction of the temple. And that happened already in 70 A.D. The temple's been gone. Second thing that will happen is the persecution of Christians. That's already happened. The first 300 years of Christianity, there was much persecution in the church, and that started up again today. North Korea, China, Saudi Arabia, Iraq, Iran, Afghanistan, uh, the Sudan. Christians are being persecuted again. A third thing that has to happen before the end is called the abomination of desolation. And that happened, in a sense, in 70 A.D. when the Romans destroyed the Jewish temple. But it will happen again at the end of time when the Antichrist appears proclaiming himself to be God. 2 Thessalonians chapter 2. <clears throat> Another thing that Jesus says happens before he returns, signs in the heavens must take place. Another thing that happens before he returns, the evangelization of the world. Jesus says all nations will hear the gospel and then the end will come. And 
this comes from Romans 11, conversion of the Jews will happen. Many Jews will come to faith in Christ before Christ returns. So when you see these things taking place, Jesus says, you know the end is near. You won't know the exact date, but you'll know things are close. Verse 20, verse 30. Truly I say to you, this generation will not pass away until all these things take place. Now that's a difficult verse because a generation is about 40 years. Jesus said these words in 30 AD. And here we are today, 2,000 years later, and it seems like all these things haven't taken place yet. So what's going on? Well, there's two possible explanations. The these things of verse 30, Jesus may simply be referring to the things relevant to 70 AD, and the temple was destroyed within 40 years of his words. So perhaps it's talking about that. Another possible explanation is the word for generation in verse 30 can also be interpreted race. This race will not be destroyed until I come back, meaning the Jewish race. And if, if you know anything about history, it's amazing the Jews still exist on our planet, the way people have tried to wipe them out. So maybe Jesus is just saying, the Jews will be on earth until my second coming. <clears throat> Look at verse 31. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will not pass away. In other words, let's say that this Alka-Seltzer is the world, and this cup of water is the end of time. Well, this is the world at the end of time, and Jesus says everything, actually, 2 Peter uh, chapter 3 says, at the end, everything will dissolve and melt. And when Jehovah's Witnesses come to my door, they're very insistent that the world will be here forever, and I quote this verse, Jesus said, heaven and earth will pass away. So here's the next lesson. Cling to the words of Jesus. The words of Jesus will not pass away, he says. If I cling to Jesus and his word, I will last. If I cling to the world, I'll dissolve along with it. I <coughs> have a friend by the name of Judy. I've known Judy since we were seven years old. She lived in the house behind me. We were very good friends growing up. To this day, now and then, I talk to Judy. Well. Judy has a, a son, and he's now in his 20s, but I've prayed for her little boy since he was born. Judy, I've talked to her about Christ. I'm not quite sure where she's at with the Lord. Uh, her little boy is now in his 20s, and Judy calls me out of the blue and says, well, my son and his, his friend are going around the country going to baseball games. They want to co go to a Twins game. Can you put them up for a night or two? I said, sure. And so... Uh, these guys in their 20s come to stay with me, and I had people pray. I said, you know, I've been praying for this kid uh, for his whole life, and he doesn't know who I am, but just pray that I might be able to share Christ with this guy. Well, so these two 20-some-year-olds come to my house, and I take them out to dinner. And Greg, uh, uh, not religious at all, in fact, he said, my mom used to make me go to the United Church of Christ, which is a very liberal church, and I barricaded myself when I was 10 years old in my bedroom, and I said, I'm never going, and, and mom finally stopped forcing me to go. 
So that's Greg, and his buddy uh, was raised Catholic, but he said to me, I'm not religious anymore. So I take him out to dinner, and I said, do you mind if I pray before we eat? And I did, and you could kind of sense they weren't into this. And then I kind of launched into the gospel. <laughs> and I said, you know, when I was closer to you guys' age, I was raised in the Lutheran church, but I didn't understand. I think I, I got a misunderstanding growing up. The way you get to heaven is by being good enough. And I said, you know what? Nobody's good enough. We're all sinners. And it's only by Jesus' death on the cross, by the grace of God, we're saved. And you could just feel the tension. Like, we don't want to hear this. Well, I gave them some DVDs of our TV show about salvation, and then I dropped it, and we just talked, and then they went off to the Twins game, and I went home, and it went so bad that I'm thinking, Lord, did I do wrong? Should I have not opened my mouth? And I turned on TV, and here's Kirk Cameron, the Christian movie star, um, talking about evangelism, and he said, Today is the day to share the gospel. Don't wait till tomorrow. Today is the day to share the gospel. And I took that as the Lord saying to me, you did okay. <laughs> and, you know, here's my point. These two guys are clinging to the world, clinging to baseball, but they don't seem to care where they spend eternity. I don't get that. And Jesus said, Christian, hear this. Let's not cling to this world. It's going to dissolve. Jesus said, heaven and earth is going to pass away. My words will not pass away. Do you read the Bible? Do you cling to the word of God? Next words. But concerning that day or that hour, said Jesus, no one knows. Not even the angels in heaven, nor the Son, but only the Father. Now, that verse that I just read proves the authenticity of the New Testament the early church would not have made up that verse and put it on the lips of Jesus. It's too problematic. Here's the problem. If Jesus is God and he knows everything, why doesn't he know the day he's coming back? Again, the New Testament is authentic. The early church wouldn't have made that up because it causes too many problems. So let's ask the question, why doesn't Jesus, who is God, know the day he's coming back? Well, I think the answer is he knows now. But remember when he said those words in 30 AD, God was in his incarnate human state. And uh, follow this, the incarnation means God became flesh. When God became a human being, he left some of his knowledge and power and glory in heaven so that he could become incarnate, a human being. And so there were certain things when he was on earth Jesus didn't know. Remember he's walking through the crowd and the lady grabs his garment and gets healed and he turns around and says who touched me he didn't know and here he says I don't know when I'm coming back only God the Father knows that um, and I get this from Philippians chapter 2 quote Jesus who though he was in the form of God did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped or held on to but he emptied himself taking the form of a servant being born in the likeness of men so I think now that he's back in heaven, fully God with the Father and the Spirit, I think Jesus knows now when he's coming back. Here's my point. Next lesson. Beware of teachers who know the day. <laughs> if Jesus didn't know when he was coming back, when he was on earth, 
Beware of TV preachers who, we are living in the end times, and I have graphs and charts that can show you from the Bible, I know when Christ is coming back. No, you don't. Beware of those kind of people. Do you know, back, way back in 1988, there was a man who wrote a book called 88 Reasons the Rapture Has to Happen in 1988. Nothing happened. He had the gall to write a second book. 91 Reasons the Rapture Has to Happen in 1991. Beware of those people. Verse 33, be on your guard, keep awake, for you do not know when the time will come. Here's the next lesson. We are not supposed to know. You know, it's a good thing we don't know when Christ will return. You know what we would do if we knew the day? We'd party until one day before his return. So it's good for us, it's healthy for us not to know the day. Martin Luther was asked, what would you do if you knew Christ was returning today? And you know what Luther said? I'd plant a tree. Meaning, I want God to find me busy doing things when he returns. Verse 34. It is like a man going on a journey when he leaves home and puts his servants in charge, each with his work. Here's the next lesson. God has put you in charge of your work. Let me read this little poem here. Is your place a small place? Tend it with care. He set you there. Is your place a large place? Guard it with care. He set you there. Whate'er your place it is, not yours alone, but His who set you there. In other words, while we're waiting for the second coming of Christ, do your work. If you're a Christian mom, be the best Christian mom you can be. If you're a Christian dad, be a good Christian dad. If you're a janitor, if you teach Sunday school, whatever your lot is that God has put you into, do that to the best of your ability till the second coming of Christ. I, I will confess a sin here. <laughs> I just got back from Florida. I love Florida. And Part of Tom Brock would like to quit the Christian ministry, move from cold, liberal Minnesota to warm, more politically conservative Florida. Part of me would like to walk the beach the rest of my life, collect seashells, and do nothing. That's a temptation for me. What do you think the Lord would have me do? Well, I heard a sermon, and boy, did it hit me. The pastor said, what are these elderly Christians who retire and move to Florida going to do on Judgment Day when they waste the rest of their golden years collecting seashells? What are they going to say on the last day? Here, God, aren't these pretty seashells? And I heard that sermon, and it kind of hit. The point here that Jesus is saying, do your work until I come. Don't waste the rest of your life. If you're retired, use your free time in some way to serve the Lord. Verse 34, and he commands the doorkeeper to stay awake. Here's the main point, I think, of this, of this paragraph. The main point of the second coming is stay awake. Here's a little girl who's sitting in the living room listening to mother discuss things with her lady friends. And after the lady friends leave, the mother tries to find the little girl looks all over the house, can't find her daughter. 
gets kind of nervous and finally she goes way up into the attic and finds the little girl sitting in a chair in a white dress in front of the attic window. And the mother says, honey, what are you doing up here? Well, I heard one of the ladies say that she thought Jesus was coming soon, so I put on my best white dress and I want to make sure I'm ready when he comes. <laughs> that is a Christian. That's what a Christian is to do. We are to be ready no matter what the moment for his second coming. I will tell you, um, let me read the next verse, verse 35. Therefore, stay awake. For you do not know when the master of the house will come, in the evening or at midnight or when the cock crows or in the morning, lest he come suddenly and find you asleep. Here's the next lesson. Always be ready for the second coming. You know, maybe we're not living in the end times, but it's always safe to live like you are. Here's an old Christian woman that I know. And she told me, when I was a little girl, the pastor would say, before you go into that movie theater, ask yourself, do I want Jesus to find me in this theater watching that movie if he comes tonight? And you know, I heard that and I thought, we need to hear preaching like that again. We never hear things like <laughs> that anymore. You know, we need to be ready at any moment. Here, a teenage girl and I were talking, and she says to me, well, I, you know, I know you're right, but... I want to have fun first. I'll become a Christian later in life, but first I want to have some fun. And I basically said, you've made two mistakes. Number one, you think the devil's way is fun? It'll kill you. But number two, who are you to put off God? You don't know when you're going to drop dead. Do you want to play Russian roulette with your eternity? And I just urged her now to receive Christ. We need to be ready, Jesus said, at any moment. I, I, I visited a man at the hospital older man who's dying of cancer he knew he was dying his mind was still sharp and I shared the gospel and I encouraged him to receive Christ and he said I haven't had any use for God up to this point in my life and he said wouldn't be right for me to turn to God now and I said and he actually I think the way he put it wouldn't be fair of me to turn to God now and my point to him is who cares if it's fair turn to Christ now before you die and his heart was I mean he just no and here's the deal. If you put God off, your heart can get so hard that you can't repent later in life. We need to turn to Christ now. Always be ready, Jesus said. Verse 37, And what I say to you, I say to all, stay awake. Here's the last lesson. Jesus tells the entire church and all, all church in history, stay awake. I want you to notice the way he puts the words in verse 37. What I say to you, I say to all. In other words, disciples, these words aren't just for you. They're for all Christians till the end of time. Stay awake. So let me close this part of our show by asking you this question. What is making you fall asleep these days? What is the devil using to put you to sleep so you're not awake for Christ? Can I give you some examples? TV. Do you watch too much television? I was raised on television. This is an issue for me. TV can put you to sleep. A second thing that might put you to sleep are, are bad movies. Should Christians go to R-rated movies? Uh, another thing that puts people to sleep? Romance novels. My mom, who's died, read romance novel after romance novel after, and I just wish she would have spent one-tenth of the time reading the Bible. 
Another thing that really puts people to sleep is money. Nothing's wrong with making money, but is it your life? I, 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 here was a, a missionary to China, and I asked her, you know, people in atheist China, a lot of them are atheists, don't they want some kind of meaning and purpose in life? And she said, oh, they have a purpose, to make money. Sports. Now, nothing's wrong with sports, but is it your life? Pray for those two guys that came to watch the Twins game. I mean, sports is their life. And when I hear of a family that says, well, we're not going to be going to church anymore because Junior has his hockey practice on Sunday mornings, I'm thinking, could you set your priorities? You know, uh, sports. Um, there's all other, maybe I didn't hit the one that's putting you to sleep, but I want to ask you to pray about this. Lord, what is it in my life that's putting me to sleep so I'm not ready for the end of time? And one last question, once you've identified what it is, what step will you take to, to wake up? I'll tell you what I did this week. Actually, I did this yesterday, I think. I watch too much TV. So I got the, the out of the newspaper, the kind of TV guide for the week, and I circled the stuff that I'm going to watch. I don't want to get into what's called narcotic dysfunction. Uh, television can be a narcotic. And no matter what's on, I watch TV. It's like a narcotic. I have that problem. So I circled this, and my hope is this week and from now on, I'm going to be very careful. You, you identify what it is for you, but what is it that is making you fall asleep? Jesus 30 AD says, disciples, I'm not just saying this to you. I'm saying this to all. Stay awake. Be ready for my second coming. Amen. Welcome to the portion of the pastor study where we now ask Pastor Brock to share with us his knowledge of scripture and his insights to answer questions we have regarding the Bible, our Lord, and our everyday walk with him. Pastor Brock, you said about um, how did Jesus not know when he would return. You answered that question, mm -hmm. but is it the same answer for when he was in the crowd and he asked who it was that touched him, mm -hmm. wouldn't he have known who that person was? You know, again, it's like when he was for 33 years, we'll say, we don't know exactly, but probably he died when he was about 33 years old. During those 33 years old, 33 years, God was in human flesh. Now, of course, God the Father and the Spirit are still in heaven, but God the Son, the one God has three persons, the second person of the Trinity was in human flesh, and he limited himself for our sake. I mean, he could have wiped out the Romans like this so he wouldn't be crucified, but he limited himself. And those verses teach he even limited his own knowledge, so he was a real human for those 33 years. It's hard to imagine God in his impotence, you know, the, the omnipresence and yeah. everything, turning and actually having, wouldn't you have had to fight those desires? Yes, but you know what, you're, ma you're making me remember C.S. Lewis's line. He said, quote, imagine fitting yourself down into the shell of a snail or slug, and you will get a glimpse of what it must have been like for God to become a man. Wow, that's good. Mm. So, Pastor Brock, what does the Bible teach about the Antichrist? Or does it? Yes, really? it does. I, it, 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 probably the two places, and I, I encourage people to get your Bible and, and read these chapters tonight if you want. Revelation chapters 13 and 14, that talks about the beast, that's the Antichrist. Problem with Revelation, it's a symbolic book in many ways, so, but if you, but, so probably the best chapter to read is 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, 
where Paul says the end is not yet because the Antichrist hasn't shown up. And then in 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, Paul talks about this man he calls the man of lawlessness and all the things the Antichrist does when he comes. So 2 Thessalonians chapter 2. But the Antichrist is talked about more than just those two places, yes. right? Yes, there are. In fact, uh, in, the, in the letter of John, John says, you've heard that Antichrist is coming. I tell you, many Antichrists have come. So there are these little Antichrists through history, but then comes the big one, capital A, Antichrist at the end. So I guess my question is, do you think the Antichrist is alive on Earth today? I, I don't know. Now, the problem with this, Martin Luther thought the Pope was the Antichrist in 1520. And then I remember in the 70s, Henry Kissinger is the Antichrist. And people thought JFK was the Antichrist because he died and now he's going to, you know, it just gets weird. All we can do is read the Bible and be careful. <laughs> well, I think too, though, for Christians, there are so many things happening yeah. that we question is this a sign of the end times? Is the Antichrist here? When we see some of the revolutionary things yeah. that have come about and the changes in America, in America, I know. it's frightening. It is, yeah. So do you believe that there truly will be a conversion of Jews to Christ before the end times? You know, if you read Romans 11, Paul says that before the end, the Jews will be saved. Now that doesn't necessarily mean every Jew will turn to Christ, but Overwhelmingly, if I, and I encourage people to read it for themselves, read Romans chapter 11, where ta Paul talks about at the end there will be a conversion of the Jews. What happens to the Jews who have died ahead of the conversion? Uh, well, if they believed in Christ, that they're Messianic Jews, as we call them, then they're saved. If they died rejecting Christ, then they're in trouble. Okay. Yeah. So that leaves us as Christians to really want to minister to the Jews. Indeed, too, it does. Right? Yes. So, what exactly do you believe about the rapture? You talk about the rapture, mm -hmm. but I mean, I guess, what's yeah. your interpretation of what Well, the word rapture only appears once in the Bible. It's 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 17. The word rapture means caught up. Paul says, we'll all be caught up to meet the Lord in the air. And so I believe in the rapture, Jackie, that we'll be caught up. But I believe we're caught up when Jesus comes down. When the second coming happens, we're caught up to be with the Lord in the air. Some Christians believe, this is a very popular teaching in America, that seven years before Jesus returns, people are caught up and disappear, and then the bad stuff happens with the Antichrist. But the way I read the Bible, Christians are here till the end, not seven years before the end. Pastor Brock, I have a lot more questions about the end times, and <laughs> okay. I think probably our listeners do, and I think we may have to save some of these for another show because Right now, we are facing what a lot of people think is the end times, mm -hmm. so I think we could do another show with yep. some more questions. We only have 10 seconds left, and I guess we just want to thank you for your continued support, for watching this show, for praying for us, and supporting us financially. And we pray that God would bless you until we're together again next time. Thank you for watching The Pastor Study. You can watch more of our programs at pastorstudy.org. We are on the air preaching the gospel of Christ because of our generous support of you, our viewers. Would you consider supporting our ministry? You may do so at pastorstudy.org. Or write The Pastor Study, P.O. Box 41294, Minneapolis, Minnesota 55441. May the blessing of our one triune God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit be with you today and always. Amen.